Welcome to Everything But The Kitchen Sink. Let's get at it. Cue the music. Today's podcast is brought to you by Dishes by Daniel. Um, do you like delicious meals brought right to you? They deliver meals right to your door. All right, you gotta check it out. I have had the best meals since I started getting Dishes by Daniel. They come right to your house. They're from the New York City area, New York City and Brooklyn. If you live in the area, check it out. Fresh meals delivered right to you. You can use code JIMMY25, capital J, JIMMY25 for 25% off. Again, Dishes by Daniel. Check them out. Head to DishesByDaniel.com right now to complete your first order. And now let's get to the podcast. So the last one that we did, oh, as we ended last time, was Beasts of Southern Wild. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for our next one? I'm ready. Let's like start a little easy, okay? Like nothing crazy? Let's not do, go too crazy. Let's do a few warm-ups. Well, we, we, we're in the same bracket. This, okay. is, this is a good one. All right. I can't do that one yet. This is, oh, well, the second one's going to be really difficult. Maybe, should we jump around? So it's not as crazy? Yeah. Why don't you okay. jump around? Great. So the Hurt Locker in the second quadrant is the number one seed versus Crazy Stupid Love, the 16 seed. All right. That's pretty easy, but if you want to so talk So Kyle about... had to watch Crazy Stupid Love for I the did. first time. Uh, one of the few true rom-coms to make the list. Uh, tell did. me your thoughts on Crazy Stupid Love, Kyle. Um, I thought it was fine. Uh-huh. I... Yeah... I was like, I obviously love Steve Carell, love Julianne Moore. I'm a little, I was a little like, the first act of it is pretty, pretty much 40-Year-Old Virgin. So I was kind of like wishing that we had just put 40-Year-Old Virgin on the list because I love 40-Year-Old Virgin. Um, you know what I mean though? It's like Steve Carell loses, doesn't have mojo and like needs to like get his groove back or get his groove regardless. The scene between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling is lovely, uh-huh. but like, to me, there's nothing like, there's nothing like, like if we're talking about greatness, there's nothing like great about this movie to me. In terms of like, it doesn't like, as like a rom-com, like, it doesn't do anything that I didn't expect. I also did, I didn't hate anything in this movie except for the stuff with the boy and the babysitter is so creepy. Okay. Well, because she's like, he's just, there's this plot in line in this movie. Yes. Of like this boy who's like infatuated with his babysitter, which is like, whatever, that's cute. Like that, that happens. But he keeps telling her, yeah. Club Leaker is bumping. He keeps telling her that like he loves her and she's like, you, she literally says at one point, you need to stop. This is making me uncomfortable. And he's like, I won't. Like, and then the end of the, the climactic moment of the movie is like Steve Carell encouraging him to like embarrass her in front of everybody. But like, she's not embarrassed. But, like, it's a little much. I didn't... Well, you're wrong. Um, no, it's just, it's, no, you're wrong. I don't know. That part um, was rough, rom- this, is, this is the probably the one of the most best constructed rom-coms ever for me. Um, as far as all the different plot lines, how they all weave together in the end, which is incredible. Like, it's one of the best reveals in a rom-com that you never see coming. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Crazy Stupid Love... You don't see it coming. You don't see it coming. It's a phenomenal twist in a rom-com. The formula, that's the whole thing, too. You feel like you're ahead of this formula the whole time, and then 
And then all of a sudden something happens that's absolutely crazy, and you find out that Emma Stone is Steve Carell's daughter. And it also is it's a quintessential Ryan Gosling performance. It's, yeah, that's the other thing is like I don't Ryan Gosling's like smarminess doesn't do much in the way for me. Yeah, I know it does, you like him. A lot. Right, right, and. I mean, I, I guess I get the idea of, like, yeah, Steve Carell needs to get his mojo back in that general sense with 40-Year-Old Virgin, but 40-Year-Old Virgin is so much more, um, just leans into, like, him being, uh, uh, it's just way more uncomfortable at the beginning in 40-Year-Old Virgin, and I also think that's, I, I prefer the first act of this movie, um, I'm also low on 40-Year-Old Virgin compared to most people. I don't think it's the funniest of that bunch of movies at all. I think it's like last place. But something um, else, something other, and we'll talk about but, this when we get to like something like Super Bad or whatever. But like something that Judd Apatow really brought to the table is not just like it's not just like a laugh fest. Like Forty Year Old Virgin is like a very like real movie. Sure. With like sure. that is character based and like I'm not saying the Crazy Stupid Love isn't as well. No, I know that. But like we to just rate Forty Year Old Virgin on like laughs, I think is like. Uh, Diminishing the the, the sure, strength I didn't mean of that movie. to. I didn't mean to. Sure. I apologize if that's how it came across. Um, but the the thing about Crazy Stupid Love too is that every single like plotline in that movie, every time I watch it, um, I think is almost is inc- each character is so flushed out for me. It's like I love the Julianne Moore Kevin Bacon stuff. It's so funny to me. Plus the kid, how he weaves into that. It's kind of like a giant. Just intertwining, just perfect rom com. It has a little um, bit of ambition, so that's nice. It, it does, and it's it's just I I just like is when we were making the list of sixty four movies, the reason I wanted to include it, and obviously the nomination is the win for Crazy Stupid Love. I wanted to include like a popcorn rom com, um, a la like a definitely maybe, which is another one I would have considered something that you're just like wow, like as far as like romantic comedies go I don't know how you could have done that movie any better and I do like the kid and Annalise uh, Annalie Tipton who I think is really funny in that movie as well it's crazy it's, like, it's, it's really, really uncomfortable it's really uncomfortable in a very funny way to me um I just don't and, like what it says about like when somebody is uncomfortable with you maybe stop sure like but that's like, we're also talking about like a four we're talking about like a 14 year old boy it's, yeah but it's not, that that like that feel of like 14 year old boy and like steve carell being like just go for it like boys grow up feeling that that's okay because of that i feel like because there's such like a rom-com notion of like but that's only looking at one aspect of it because you're completely ignoring the fact that this I kid's am just parents one are of it. that but but not one aspect of the movie i'm talking about one aspect of that kid's psyche but also the, the the subplot of that and the other thing that's underlying is steve carell is giving himself advice in that moment yes, and completely. also the kid the kid's parents are but going it's not advice divorce. it's not advice that's good it's a good it, here's what it is it's good advice for the boy because this is what it is, right? It's Steve Carell and Julianne Moore like our soulmates in that movie, right? Yes. They clearly love each other a lot. Right. The boy and the babysitter are not soulmates. So yes, Steve Carell is totally saying to himself, I need to be like my son and go for what I want. And he's also telling the boy, you need to go for what you want when you meet your soulmate. But the babysitter isn't his soulmate. He's just, like, barking up a tree that the girl is like, stop, you're embarrassing me. Like, that's the entire arc of that. Sure, sure. I hear what you're saying, though. Well, and, like, also, I I just think there's something to the fact that, like, this kid throughout the movie is, like, super bold in saying how he feels about his babysitter and all this stuff. And it's, it's really cringy. Yeah, it is. But, like, 
I don't think that it's like I don't think that Steve Carell is encouraging on some line of thinking that's super uh, harmful. I, I don't think that. I think that what he's trying to be is like don't lose that. Like don't don't lose sure, sure. the fact that like and also like but that doesn't this kid has lost like when he loses it at the end like when he loses it at the end you're like oh no like this kid is already like given up on he's given up on I guess like, I, the kid stuff didn't it's work. Not for like, me. It's not like it's not like the kid kept going. Um, if you didn't see Crazy Stupid Love, you should see it and then come back to this. But it's not like the kid like just kept like berating her, berating her, berating her. Was he still does. doing There's that? Like three no, 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 no. I know, but I'm saying it's not like he was like berating her, berating her, berating her, and mid berating her, Steve Carell goes, "Yeah, yeah, keep going, buddy. High five. Right. No, but it takes him like three times of like sure, of sure, like her of her saying stop. Yeah, and like it doesn't really value her. That just that part just made me uncomfortable. I don't like that part. But we also have the same time we have the babysitter having very interesting feelings towards Steve Carell, and so that, right. so no one comes. But out that's clean. not like it's super. That's not like super explored in terms of like what Steve Carell's feelings about that are. You know what I mean? Like we don't ever really like. Sure, but I think what we I think the whole point of it is like how messy it is, and 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 I I wouldn't I I don't think that that's. Like I, it's it's cringeworthy because of how uncomfortable it is for the girl in the first few yeah. scenes, but clearly at the end too, she's like yeah, but it's also like written by a dude, so like I just feel yeah, like, so that devalidates it. I just style. feel like I, I could disagree. like I, I could disagree. make like the girl kiss the boy on the cheek at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, but I I disagree with you. On this. Sure, but um, but her, her locker's, locker's better. Do we want to talk about her locker, or do we want to talk? We'll about her save locker it for later. later. All right, her locker is a one seed. Her locker is the number one seed, yes. Oh, wait, I want to do things about them. Oh, go, give it to me. Crazy Stupid Love, there's not really, unless you want to say something. I don't know if you want to talk about um, if it did any, like... It did, it, it made a good amount of money at the box office, three times what its budget was. Um, also, one of the first of three, four collaborations by Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, what are the other ones, aside from La La Land? Gangster Squad. Oh, yeah. Um... And one other one that I'm forgetting. They very clearly love working together. Yeah, and this was the first one, and it makes Emma Stone sense. is fantastic in Crazy Stupid Love. She is. She, her scenes are so so tight, and it's kind of a prequel to La La Land when you think about like their relationship a little bit with how like they have that on screen chemistry, because um, that just like carries into La La Land. Um, Hurt Locker. Give us some Hurt Locker stuff. Had a nine Oscar nominations, six wins. It is this at forty nine million. It is still the least highest grossing Best Picture winner of all time, um, which is very interesting. Mm. Um, it won picture, director, screenplay, editing, sound mixing, and sound editing. It had a big year, and that was Avatar. That was a big face off. Yeah, it was um, huge face off. The ex-wife and ex-husband. Yeah. It's the number 10 on the New York Times 25 best movies of the 21st century. And it is number 67 on the BBC 100 best movies of the 21st century. I love Her Locker. Her Locker is so good. Can't um, wait to talk more about it later. Great. Onward. Uh, next up, we have the number 4 seed, The Social Network, versus the number 13 seed, Bridesmaids. Got it. Um... This is another pretty easy one for me. It's an easy one for me, too, but the other way. Really? Yeah, it's Bridesmaids. Talk to me about that. Because uh, I'm willing to... I'm, I'm like, probably fine with moving Bridesmaids forward in this because love, of, like, what it does. But, like, um, talk to me about it. Yeah. Love Social Network. I... So, Bridesmaids... Social Network, 
the first time I saw it, um, was pretty impactful, felt a lot of really great things about it. It, it feels, it felt so relevant in our time. It felt so, kind of had this dark... It shot like a horror movie. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really got an interesting feel to it. Made you feel kind of sick. I, I felt like sick to my stomach afterwards, which a lot of good Never has Harvard like ever looked scarier. Yeah. Sadder. Um, and uh, just, I just was like, how was I supposed to feel about that? Made me feel a lot of things about ambition and it was really, really well done. Uh, and... It, it should have won Best Picture, so it feels like it's also uh, it was underrated at the time. Yeah. Because it Wait, can we win. talk? Can we talk about that stuff for a second? Yeah. King's Speech. King's Speech beat it. Um, um, Bridesmaids has had had two Oscar nominations. Two Oscars noms, no wins. Um, it Melissa was the, McCarthy and, and uh, screenplay. screenplay. Yeah. It was the fourteenth highest grossing movie of that year. The last Harry Potter was number one, and every movie in the top ten this year was a sequel. Um, th- uh, Social Network. Yeah. Eight nominations, three wins. Yeah, adaptive screenplay, editing, and score. The score in that is, like, absolutely incredible. It's number 27 on the BBC 100 Best Films of the 21st Century. Um, yeah, it absolutely should have won Best Picture over King's Speech. Yeah, I mean, King's Speech didn't make our list. King's Speech didn't make either of our top ten from that year. It did. It was on mine. I oh, think yeah. King's Speech is good. I think I King's Speech think is good, that... too. I think King's Speech is good at just, like, looking back on it, I was like, how did this win? Um, and, uh... However, I don't think it's... Obviously, I don't think it's peak Fincher, and I don't think it's peak Sorkin. Um, Can I talk about that for a second? Yeah, Because I, I do disagree, and, like, listen, I'm... I, and, I'm and I'm doing this, and I'm... There are... Because there, there are some big fights I know I'm going to have to fight in this on this thing. Sure. And, like, I'm down to, like, let, let like, a few, like, ones that I am a little less on. But right. I actually think it is peak Sorkin and peak Fincher for me, because mm. I think those two can be super indulgent in their own styles. And there's a great documentary on the DVD of Social Network where you basically just watch Fincher and Sorkin and Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield and Justin Timberlake, who is in such inspired casting in this movie. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's going to be May. But they're all sitting around the table just going through the script. And Fincher is relentless with Sorkin. In terms of, we don't need this sentence, we don't need this extra F-bomb, like, we don't need this, this whole speech is too complicated, and that's, that screenplay is so, so tight and, and, um, rooted in character that, like, I just think it's, like, I, I've said this before, that, and I still think it's true, like, I think that is, like, the graduate of our generation, like, that says so much about our generation, in terms of, like, the millennial aspect, like, who we are as millennials, like, how a person who has no social skills created the, the, social, the network social network is, yeah. like, it's incredible. It's a bio, it's a biopic that doesn't feel like a biopic. It feels like a thriller. It feels like, uh, like, and the performances are, like, I love Social Network. I love Social Network a lot more than Bridesmaids. But Bridesmaids uh, did a huge thing as well. Yeah, the reason... Listen, I also... This is one that's like a 51-49 sort of a thing, so, you know... Did I talk you into Social Network at all? No, this is... (laughs) I'm now gonna, like... We need to do the right thing with Bridesmaids. 
Because what Kristen Wiig accomplished, what that comedy is the biggest boys club that there is. Yeah, especially like, in the... Especially in that time. Yeah. In that, like, right coming into 2010, 2011, it is was such a boys club. And, like, this was the time where, like, it was still okay. Like, I remember being 17, 18, and it's still being okay for people to be like, yeah, just girls aren't as funny as guys. Like, that was an okay statement that people said often. And, like, and that was such trash because there never, there wasn't a bunch of platforms for women to be, like, anything more than what, like, Katherine Heigl was in Knocked Up, which is essentially, like, she had her moments and all these things, but, like, is there to assist the storyline of the main guy. And she gets her comedy laughs and all those things, and even someone like Melissa McCarthy, who should have been in many, many movies, having many, many a starring role to showcase her incredible talents, was really kind of cast off to a CBS show uh, where she was basically like a, a, an injured bird and not able to use her full spectrum of talents. And Bridesmaid was a vehicle. Bridesmaids was a vehicle for everyone in it. And that movie is the most perfect casting. I think it's funny that it's against Social Network because that's a movie that's perfectly cast as well. Yeah. Like the the troop of women in that. They all. If this is a baseball game, they all went four for four with a home run, almost hitting the cycle. Like. In every single movie, there's no fat in that story. It also has such a heart. I felt like that was one of the first movies where I was like, wow, like, that... I, I was so connected to that, and, like, I felt like it was just what it taught about friendship and how, like, people come into... And especially being in college at the time, you... you They're both kind of friends. movies about friends, which yeah. is interesting. Well, it's interesting seeing these movies, movies go up against each other and you start talking about them in terms of each other. It's interesting. And, like, and like truly, like, I want to say this, like, if we had a villain, if we do a villain ultimate bracket, which someday I'd love to, a top ten villain is Rose Byrne in that movie. Oh, yeah. Also, she, she as the villain... Perfect. She is the villain in Spy is, like, excellent. Yeah, villain. very good. She, no, is, she I mean, is insanely Listen, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm down I'm down to move Bridesmaids forward. Like, I, I want to see some... I, I want a good mix in this in this 16, and, like... And I also think... I think, think Bridesmaids is one of the stronger... Now, granted, comedies. I've only seen Social Network twice. I'll admit that. Yeah. I've only seen it twice. I've seen it a lot. I I've think seen Bridesmaids. I do I've think seen Bridesmaids at least 15 yeah. times, and every time this I watch what, Bridesmaids, this is something. Better. This is something I do want to talk about, though, in terms of these, and I'm cool with Bridesmaids, but this is something I do want to talk about, because we are, we, we are trying, we are looking for greatness, right? Yes. And, and what, and what, and, eat, and, Okay, here's here's an example. I would I'm gonna have a more enjoyable time watching School of Rock than I am watching The Godfather or mm -hmm. Citizen Kane. Mm -hmm. But I am not going to debate that The Godfather and Citizen Kane are greater movies because they have a synthesis of the cinematic elements and they did something with the form. And I'm cool. Why I'm cool with moving Bridesmaids forward in this is not just because it's more enjoyable for me to watch. But because I think it did do something great for comedies, and it is a great comedy in its own right. So I just want to like, I just want to like, fair. Point. You know what I mean? I just don't want to. I just don't want to be pushing forward the movies that are more enjoyable to watch because I think that often that 
cannot mean greatness in a sort of in the sort of way that we're trying to find. Does and I think sense? we both have a different definition of greatness in some ways. And right, that's but, okay. But that's but gonna I'm but not... that's gonna be aided by the fact that like when we get into the sixteen that we're looking at all the elements, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and scoring them. And, and I'm with you. My only point to that, I, I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred percent. My only point is the fact that greatness devoid of enjoyability sure like, wait like what traditional I hear you, but enjoyability is, is not something i'm gonna think is great sure like you can be like this movie's great and i can watch it and be like i didn't enjoy watching that and i don't think it's a fun movie to watch i don't think it's enjoyable to watch i so totally I don't think hear it's you. great but i that's also why think godfather part two godfather part two is one of the most enjoyable movies to watch but that's also such a subjective thing and you know we're gonna at, that, at a certain point have to look at things objectively and obviously we're gonna wind up with movies that we both love a lot for you sure. know what i mean and greatness is subjective though too i believe well, not when we're not when we're talking about like it, it is subjective, but like not when we're breaking it down into the elements of like the writing, the cinema like 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 if you're going to like if we're gonna break down the, the elements of the Godfather and elements of School of Rock, like you know what I mean? Like Sure. But then I, you know, it, well, it's it's going to be a constant give and take because like sure. I can argue that. But it is going to have to be a give and, and take. And I'm not trying That's to say School of Rock is greater than The Godfather. Like let's no, be no, no, no. I know, but like, but like, oh, so like School of Rock for me is like your yes. sort of like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, is all I'm saying is like, well, and we'll, we'll and you can argue that. that Guardians of the Galaxy has greatness and does stuff for the. But like, it is important to me that we are, we are, we are, we are winding up with a batch of interesting and diverse movies that, and I totally hear you, but like. I just want to preface that. Sure. And um, honestly, like, you know, I... But, like, yes, let's move forward, Bridesmaids. Okay. I'm great moving forward, Bridesmaids. I thought that one would be a bit more of a discussion, but... No, because there are some that will, I know. Well, this next one is going to be one. Okay. This is the last one in the top quadrant. All right. We have the 5 seed, There Will Be Blood, and the 12 seed, The Tree of Life. Oh, well played, James. Um, I, that was random. That was completely random. That's actually random. that's a, this. Is, okay, so here's, I did not plan that. That was completely random. I put right. down a five and a twelve, and I went down based on how I had yes. them in here. You'll be pleased to know that that is not a discussion. Um, it's there will be blood. But but I do want to these. I want to talk about this for a second. Let's talk about it. Um. So let's so let's go through this. There will be blood. Yep. Nine nominations. Two wins. Mm -hmm. It was, a, this was an epic, epic year at the Oscars. Insane. 2007. We have three movies in here that were up for Best Picture. No <laughs> Country, Juno, and There Will Be Blood, which I yeah. all love. Um, it obviously won Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis. Shout out DDL. Um, it, and it won Cinematography. It is number one on the New York Times 25 Best Movies of the 21st Century. Wow, number one. It is number three on the BBC 100 Best Movies of the 21st Century. Wow. It is number 207 on the Sight and Sound poll of Best Films of All Time. Sight and Sound polled actors, directors, and and uh, <laughs> right, everybody uh, internationally. <clears throat> it's only one of five movies on this batch to be included on in that list wow it is number 75 on the director poll it's tied with Mulholland Drive interestingly enough which are the only movies from this list to be included on the director poll and then we have Tree of Life which had three Oscar nominations best picture director and cinematography <clears throat> it's number seven on the BBC 100 best films of the 21st century it is number 107 on the Sight and Sound poll of best films of all time. Again, one of five to be included from this batch. Um, yeah. So, this is There Will Be Blood. 
Um, the reason Kyle thought that I set it up is because Kyle loves both of these movies a hell of a lot. And when I saw that matchup, I was like, "That's insanity," because that's really. It's, I thought right. that would be a tough one for Kyle. Well, apparently not. But I do want to. But I do want to talk about. I do want to talk about Tree of Life here for a second. For sure, go for it. Because, because. This and this gets to a this gets to a good point with like you and me that okay. like when Tree of Life, which I which would be in my in if I was gonna have a list of right. the top twenty four ten movies of the the top ten movies of the twenty first century, Tree of Life would be on it. Mm-hmm. There will be blood would also be on it, and it would beat it. And and um, so the fact that these are going up against each other is crazy. And I I clearly am not alone in thinking that this is like a great movie based on the that. And I want to talk about Tree of Life for a second because you've seen it once. Yep, all I needed to see it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay, but Jimmy, I'm not talking shit about about your about your movies. So wait a second. Go for it. Okay, you've said before that the reason you don't like Tree of Life is that it doesn't have a plot. Uh, um, sure. And I want to I want to have a conversation about this movie, Jimmy, because I do think it's a great movie. Okay, keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. You've said I find that. it very funny. Go, go, go. You've said that about this movie that it doesn't have a plot. It doesn't care about its plot. I'd say it that way. Okay. This is something, this is, David Lynch said in an interview one time, David Lynch did not do this movie. He did um, All in Drive. Yes. Which we will discuss. Yes, we will. Uh, David Lynch um, said in an interview, every story has its way. Okay? Mm-hmm. Tree of, to say that Tree of Life is bad because it does not deal in a linear, because it deals in an impressionistic, non-linear way is this is just as bad as me saying Guardians of the Galaxy is not good because it doesn't deal philosophically with our place in the world. You have to meet we have to be meeting these movies at the terms that they are giving us. And the Tree of Life, what the Tree of Life is about, which it I will argue that it does care about plot and does have a plot. What the Tree of Life is about is about a family, specifically a woman, played by Jessica Chastain in an amazing performance. Early Chastain, shout out. Yes, the year she was in The Help and nominated for The Help. It is about her, who has lived her entire life, and she says this at the beginning of the movie. This is all, like, this is all, like, clearly stated in the movie. Mm -hmm. She says at the beginning of the movie that she was raised by nuns in a convent, and that the way she decided to live her life was by the way of grace. She's, this is a very religious family, they have an intense relationship with God. And she and she believes that wholeheartedly about Grace. Now, early on in the movie, we learn that one of her three boys has died. Mm-hmm. And then the, the movie is about her and her son, specifically, the one who grows up to be Sean Penn, dealing with the trauma of that and wondering how you can live in a world where the God that you believed in would do something like that and whether or not grace can win out in the end. And in the end, it does. That is what that movie is about. And it is very, very powerful at doing that. Do you have, like, you know what I mean? You just, we have, and like, we have to meet the movies and what they're talking about. Those are all, those are, that's all fine. That's all fine. And, and, and movies can deal with, 
with I'm I like philosophically like of course I want movies to to deal with big concepts. That's fine. That's great. I love that. That's the art of cinema. But Tree of Life, regardless of all that, that was not what I took from that movie. But I do want to say one thing about that. That was not what I took from that movie. But you, you, we did. You and saw it when when we were in college. It was a long time ago. You know, I a, a rewatch would would perhaps yield better results. Sure. One sure. of the best. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying. Wait, that, are you? Wait, but let me let me rephrase this. Let me so so if I if I. Are you going to devalidate my thoughts on it because I haven't seen it? Because I'll go see it before we finish this thing. I'll go yeah, see I mean, it. it's not going to win this matchup anyway. I know. know what I mean? I'm just saying, because I... Listen. I do think that you... Yeah, I am going to... I am going to... I'm not going to devalidate Because I'm not going to say anything about it if you're going to devalidate it because I haven't seen it in a while. Then there's no point in me telling you what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I do, I do a little That's bit... That's fine. I do a little bit feel that way because... Then there's no reason for me to give you why I, why I disagree sure. with, you know... I just think that I just think that like we all grow as intelligent movie watchers and our tastes expand and like sure. I do feel like you would find something from that movie that you would maybe maybe and like but I also think that the we talk about we're going to talk about greatness a lot and you're you you do raise an interesting point of meeting that movie where it is. And I just think, I think we have to. I'm you're a David meet... Lynch fan. You're a David Lynch fan. And yeah. You have to meet David Lynch like in the headspace. But I'm going to meet is. Guardians of the Galaxy but, where it is. But, I'm going to meet Crazy Stupid Love where it is. But you know I, I also mean? think you already made the biggest argument against Tree of Life that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. And I think the point is that like movies like like there are there are movies that you go see and you go, okay, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. And that immediately pigeonholes the greatness of that movie because what makes greatness great is that it it is everyone. But we're gonna disagree everyone about Everyone is great. It, this is everyone acknowledges that this thing like the, any but here any we point, have, at any point of walk of life or a different palette but, or anything you Jimmy, take this movie and go this movie is incredible. But Jimmy, we have one hundred seventy seven movie people polled. Movie people though, specifically people who do yeah. cinema. So why? Yeah, but but, but that's Jimmy, overvaluing people who are in the business versus, but Jimmy, versus where, people who see movies and just just. Joe Schmo and Joe's mom and, and yeah, but we're and not doing people, this for Joe Schmo. We're well, doing this to find like great movies. I and Joe Schmo is going to look at movies differently than like people who value movies are. You know well, what I mean? I, Some Joe people, Schmo does value movies. Joe Schmo goes. You know, I know but they value it for something. They value content. it for something different, and that's great. And like to go and sure, be entertained by sure. movies is great. But to to say that a movie that has a more limited appeal is not great is is. I'm not saying I it's could not, not great. disagree with. I'm more. not saying it's not great. I'm just saying that limits the scope of how great it can be. That's what I'm saying. It, I, but I 100% disagree with that. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, I'm just since, saying that I don't want a, I, a a 16 bunch of movies that everybody loves. I'm cool with the one number one, and like we we gotta find movies that we both love. But like, for sure, we and, cannot like. Tree of Life, I have tremendous, tremendous passion for. It's not for winning sure. this matchup, but that is not nothing. That's and not you for can nothing. Fight, and you can fight for it to come back. You can fight for it to come back. Well, I'm not going to fight for it to come back. But my point, my point is that like I'm not even saying anything about the movie itself because you have asked that I go see that. that I, I just see think it again, you would, I think you would get something from it. I would love to. I will. I will watch it again. You have my word. Yeah. You have my word, and I won't say anything about the movie. But I'm meeting you at where you're at. Of, of just talking about what you said about it that automatically makes me go, well, that's why it wouldn't... That's why it's not at the top of but the list. But I don't agree with that. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because, because I don't think there will be blood as a movie that everybody want, loves. 
I think There Will Be Blood has a... Has People a, has hate a, There Will Be Blood, Jimmy. They watch that movie and they're like, oh, it's irritating. In the and same that's way... the point. Like, the point of There Will Be Blood is like... You, but, you, no, you that's supposed you, to, that's you were you. supposed to walk out of that movie... You, no, no, and this is what's fantastic about Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Listen, Anderson deals I love with there will be emotions. Blood. So okay? does The Tree of Life. Tree of Life... I can't say anything about it because you asked me to rewatch it. I'm just saying that we can't move There Will Be Blood forward. We can't We can't be talking about There Will Be Blood at the end of this and be talking about that we're looking for a movie that everybody in the world loves. Also, you're going to get mad at me, but There Will Be Blood has a ten times more accessible plot and has scenes that actually matter. <laughs> it does, but, but, but again, Jimmy, it, ha- it is trying to have a plot. Oh. Like, it's it's linear. Tree of Life is not linear. We're gonna come back to this. We're not. After there I've will be blood moving forward. Oh, after, I'll see it again. But and like then we will discuss. But but plot like I don't plot a linear plot is not necessary for a movie. That's true. All I'm, saying. I'm not. But, but I'm not asking the plot to be linear. I'm just asking you for it to be there and for you to care about. I just explained it. the entire plot to. <clears throat> I'm not saying there's not that plot. I'm just saying it doesn't care what it cares it about. It does. You can't psychoanalyze the movie on what it cares about. You I, just can't. Terrence Malick has said repeatedly that that is a movie about whether or not you can forgive God. Right. We'll move on. Yes. Next up, we have Spirited Away in the 8th seed and Midnight in Paris in the ninth seed. Oh, Jesus. I give up. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> you're going to pick fucking Midnight in Paris. No, I'm not. I'm going to pick Spirited Away. Okay, thank God. Uh, I can't do this, Jimmy. <laughs> Midnight in Paris is a very good movie. Spirited yes. Away is a, is a masterpiece. The nomination for Midnight in Paris is the win. All right. And Thank also, I let's, re- talk, let's talk. And also, about I refuse to move a Woody Allen movie into the top thirty-two movies. Fuck off, Woody Allen. All right, let's look at Midnight in Paris. Though it has it had four Oscar nominations. It had one win for mm-hmm. screenplay, which was a little bit of a surprise that year. I think we all. I had it picked, but it was it was not. The yeah, favorite. I did not have it picked, but I don't know what I. Uh, that's the only real. Um, Spirited Away has a ton. It had one win, animated feature. Interestingly enough, the first two years of that award, um, Pixar did not win. It was Shrek, and then Spirited Away. And then Pixar won for the rest of its life. For the rest of eternity. Um, (laughs) Spirited Away is number four on the BBC 100 Best Films of the 21st Century. Nice. And is number two, after There Will Be Blood, on the New York Times, 25. It is, oh, wow, there's more. It is also number 218 on the Sight and Sound poll of best films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not on any other list. All right. Whew! All I right. Love, I love Midnight in Paris. I just want to say before Midnight in Paris goes yeah. off the list, it's it's one of my top 10 favorite screenplays of the last, of the 21st century. Um, it's one of my favorite uses of Owen Wilson. I just think he plays a really good everyman in that. <clears throat> the whole cast is great. It also, like, it is a, it is, like, I always have said this about that movie that like it's a romantic comedy that is both romantic and funny. Yes. Like it is genuinely both of those things. And has some and and uh, Corey Stoll just absolutely bursts onto the scene as Ernest Hemingway and his scenes are so perfect. Um, and also just like I just it's also yeah, it's so romantic and so it, it's it's very much like a painting in its own way and um I, I love that Rachel McAdams kind of plays against type in it, uh, and uh, it just makes me feel all the feels. It, it makes me feel really nostalgic. Uh, I, I just, I, I really have a lot of affection for that movie. Um, I, I, but I also, you know, 
That's a movie. That's my Woody Allen movie, which is so stupid, I know, because it's, like, not considered at all. Like, it's not... That's not stupid. I just... I I don't have a connection with, like, Annie Hall or Manhattan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely do, but, like, I think, like, Midnight in Paris is, like, a huge return to form for him. Yeah. It is, like, if you were to... I mean, if you were to pick a movie from the 21st century that... Woody, that is like a great Woody Allen movie, like it is this one. And that was the first one that I was like, oh, Woody Allen, like he made this movie and I really care about it. Otherwise, he was just kind of like a cultural reference, and I kind of like knew the guy with the white hair and the big glasses who's always courting younger women. Um, But it's also been like, you know, it's, I really like this season has been, I just don't understand how Woody Allen hasn't, I mean, it's happening more and more now, but like there's just so many things out about him and um, that, that's like one of those things where you're kind of like the art or the artist. Um, and, uh, this is, this was the movie that came to mind when I was like, you know what? Like, I don't think I can yeah, support Woody sure. Allen movies. And um, like, Hayao Miyazaki is like a pioneer. For sure. In terms of animation. I mean, Spirited, Spirited Away, I think. Spirited Away wins this easy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> not like, just, you know... <laughs> It's not necessarily my cup of tea, uh, in a lot of ways, but the, I also think it's incredibly creative, and, um, I, it was very, I was very impression, it was very impressionable the first time I saw it, it stuck with me for a while. It means, it, it's like just one of those movies that, like, you can't, you cannot stop thinking about it after you, I, there's three movies on, of this batch that, like, in the last month, I, I rewatched and then watched again. Yeah, I remember. And this is one, this was one of those. Like, I just, like, it's so beautiful. But we'll talk about it more later. Yeah. But, uh, so, Midnight in Paris, <clears throat> I'm happy it made the list and, uh, pour some out for it. We move forward spirit away. Forward. Next up, we have number four, The Dark Knight, and number 13, Big Fish. Oh, this is pretty... I think we're going to agree on this, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, this one's tough. Again, like, you talk... I think these are both movies that Kyle and I have a lot of affection for. Yeah. Um, this is a nice, chill one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's only, like, six movies, Kyle, that, like, we really harshly disagree on. I know, but I, Cause, like, I'll get talk more about that in a second. They're, they're really... And, and um, Big Fish is, like... Oh, my gosh. I could talk for we're days. We're both talking... We're Fish. both going to... Go with Dark Knight. Yeah. Dark Knight, we're going to go with Dark Knight, but I, that's why it's... I always... When the movie I do that's going to leave... Can I do the... Please, please. Dark Knight, uh, eight nominations, none of which were Best Picture, which was crazy. This was the movie that spawned the whole ten. Guys, it, it's the one that got us the plethora of Best Picture yeah. nominations. And they never nominated another movie like The Dark Knight ever again. So, the, it was pointless. Yeah, um, it was like... It was like, this is the movie that allowed Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close to get right. nominated. Yeah, yet. exactly. <laughs> uh, two wins, uh, obviously for supporting actor for Heath Ledger mm-hmm. and also sound editing. Heath Ledger is one of only two actors who won. Posthumously. Posthumously. Is that how you say it? Do you know who the other one is? Um, yes. Um, Should I save you? Well, no, I'm trying to think of... Uh, it was Peter Finch and Network. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he died? He died, like, right after that movie was made. Yeah. Peter Finch plays the the older the, like, guy. The, like, crazy, crazy guy. guy, yeah. Holy shit. Um, so, if you play a crazy person in a movie... That movie is haunting, dude. Yeah. Network is... If you haven't seen Network, like, that movie feels like it was made yesterday. That's my favorite screenplay of all time. It was um, crazy. 
Uh, the Dark Knight is number 33 on the BBC 100 Best Films of the 21st Century. Uh-huh. It is uh, number 57 on the Hollywood Reporter 100 of all time. Um, Hollywood Reporter definitely skewed more popular. I had to get that on here because I wanted to make sure that I was not just p- putting lists on the skewed art house. <laughs> just um, critics, like critics, critics. One billion dollars. Uh, it is the highest grossing film of 2008, but there's still one movie on this list that grossed more than it. Um, what's the other movie? Big Fish? Big Fish. Big Fish had one Oscar nomination. That's it for score. The Danny Elfman score in Big Fish. Yeah, it's weird. It's like Big Fish is totally a movie that like now would be up for Best Picture. It would be up for production. I don't know what was going on that year with that movie. It was the year that it was the year that Return of the King swept. Mm -hmm. But so like obviously it wasn't going to win like it it checks so many Oscar boxes. But for some reason, I think Tim Burton being attached to it. Yeah, um, they weren't ready for it at the time it's definitely tim burton's like most personal movie it is like that the the end of that movie other than i would argue batman returns um like that movie is like so about like weirdos um but big fish is like so emotional it is like the best of both worlds of tim burton of like these just like extravagant fantasy sequences and also, like, the last 20 minutes of that movie will always make me, like, ugly cry. It is the most... I'm, cry, I'm like, crying inside thinking about it. It is... It is... There's so many moving pieces to it, and so many... For, it's, it's such a storyteller's movie, because... It's also kind of a liar's movie, though, which yeah, kind of, like, the, this rewatch, like, yeah. kind of, like, rubbed me the wrong way in a way that hadn't before. Well, and it, it's like why you also the older you get, the more you feel for Brittany Billy crud up. Yeah, like you're like, tell definitely. me the truth, Dad. Absolutely, like just tell me the truth. Like that's all I want. I Don't Albert, even, like luckily really Albert great. Finney is like so charming in that movie, but like yeah. he's kind of a sociopath. Oh, not kind of. He is, but it's also like, oh my gosh, it's it's just it's just crazy. And then the end of that movie just kind of where you it, it just twists home in a weird way where you're like, oh. Like, it was, like, sprinkles of truth. Yeah, yeah. And you're just, like... And you're and like, when he finds out that, like, he wasn't cheating on Jesse Lang with the Helena Bonham Carter character... No. And they were just doing the house, like... He was, like, helping her. Yeah. Even though in his story it was, like, the giant pushed the wall over. <laughs> <laughs> that voice, give me more. That's Albert Finney. You've got the movie. Albert Finney down. But, like, Albert, Albert Finney... Albert, how, do you, how do you feel about the big fish versus the dark knight? Which one do you think's better, Albert? Honestly, I thought my performance was great, but I'd have to give the edge to the dark knight. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he should have been nominated for supporting actor You're in that. You're so good. <laughs> Can we ask Albert's opinion on uh, every matchup, please? I need yeah, Albert's we'll opinion. Oh, my gosh. He says... He says, um... That'll be your phone a friend. I'll be like, I'm, I'm phoning Albert well, Finney. Kyle. I already phoned a friend, but... <laughs> I'll call Albert Finney when I need help. Oh, okay, please do. Um, <laughs> um, as long as you make it close when I call him, whatever it is. Um, but, but he goes, The way to a woman's heart is to catch an uncatchable fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love Big Fish. I also saw Big Fish when my grandmother... This is dark. But my grandmother was, like, dying of cancer, and obviously we were... I remember this because she was... I was... We were, like, 
we were like cleaning out some stuff of hers after she passed and we'd done the service and everything and we were watching the Oscars that year that Lord of the Rings won everything which was like the most epic Oscars ever but like so I remember epic. watching Big Fish and like seeing like how much water he was drinking and like she was drinking a ton of water and I was like my grandma's a fish <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, Kyle I, and I also have a very unique viewing experience for this movie. Oh we yeah, all, this is true. Uh, we were in Kyle's hometown, um, touring our bringing our okay, the we Beatles the present the Lord of the Rings, tour. the East Coast tour through Williamsport and Martha's Vineyard, uh, and we went to Kyle's hometown and we were performing the show that he had written. It was a group of us uh, from Carnegie Mellon, and um, we had some time to kill during the days before our night shows and we all watched Big Fish together and we all just were so, we just all were so moved by it and we're crying at the end it's just like six guys and then uh, and then uh, it's also the first time that I'd ever seen our friend Brian, Brian cry cried hard and he was and I just remember like a, like a snapshot in my mind of this whole thing of like all of us and Brian's a Brian's a New Yorker he's pretty cynical he's on the podcast you guys know um, and, uh, that movie just, like, it just touches, I, maybe it's also father-son stuff, but... But it's also that, like, that, that, like, it is the best part of the movie, like, you can complain about a lot of things of that movie, but, like, the moment when he's, like, dying, and Billy Crudup is alone with him in the hospital and sees that he's dying and is like, do I get the doctor or whatever, and then Albert Finney's like tell the whole time movie Albert Finney has been like I know how I die and and Billy Crudup's like okay dad whatever but like here he's like he's like all he's like at the moment where he's gonna die and he's like I don't know how it happens like tell me the story of how I die and Billy Crudup starts telling him the story and you're like oh <laughs> and then like light comes in the window and Albert Finney takes the like nose thing out of her and he goes let's get out of here okay so so it's uh, it's in the morning, and uh, you and I are in the hospital, and I'm falling asleep in the chair, and I wake up, and I see you. Somehow you're better. Dad? You're uh, different. Dad. Let's get out of here. And I say, Dad, you're in no condition. Get that wheelchair. Hurry up. We haven't much time. Once we get off this floor, we're in the clear. And uh, we get in the wheelchair. Faster! Like we're escaping from the hospital and... Well, what are you doing? Best Dr. Bennett, who tries to slow us down. Danny, stop them! We're flying down the hall, and orderly after orderly is chasing us. And Mom and Josephine are at the end of the hall. No time to explain. Stall them! That switch from, like, intense sadness to just, like, the craziest shit is, like, ugh. But anyway, bye, Big Fish. Bye, Big Swim Fish. Swim away. The Four Seed moves on. The Dark Knight. Spirit the Dark Knight. I'm trying to think if we've had any big upsets so far. Beast of the Southern Wild was an 11 seed, being a 6 seed. That was big. Bridesmaids is the biggest one so far. 13 being a 4 seed. Yeah. Not that it really matters, but it does for me. Ooh, this is an interesting one. The 5 seed, Little Miss Sunshine. The 12 seed, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban. That is an interesting one. It's a very interesting one. That's kind of a coin flip one for me. I'm not gonna do that, but like, um, I mean, I'm. I think we can. Let's convince each other, cause I. I feel. I feel. Well, I'm literally down. I'm literally down for moving each of these movies. Um, the one, 
let me start with the one that I'm like more passionate about, which actually. Do you want to say some things about the films before oh, we get into Oh, yes, it? yes, thank you. Uh, Little Miss Sunshine, two Oscars. And four nominations. Four nominations. Big thing about Little Miss Sunshine, it did 12 times its production yeah, budget. It at was the kind box of the OG of that. Yeah, small budget, made a ton of money. It went for screenplay and supporting actor. Big upset. Big upset. For Alan Arkin. That's still kind of sad to me. I mean, Alan Arkin is like beautiful in that movie, but like. Eddie Murphy to get a career Oscar, and he was so awesome in that movie. He's like, electric in, yeah. in Dreamgirls. They both die of... Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. They both die of heroin overdoses, don't they, in, in their respective movies? Oh, gosh. I always thought Alan Arkin died of a heart attack in Little Miss Sunshine. No. He He's, like, doing drugs the whole movie. Oh. I didn't know he died. I thought he had a heart attack. No. The last thing you see of him is, like, he's getting all the, like, shit out. Oh, yeah. he, like, teaches her the, like, routine. Um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of... Azkaban. Azkaban. Had two Oscar nominations, uh, zero wins. No Harry Potter film ever won an Oscar. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them won an Oscar. No Harry Potter film ever won an Oscar? Ever. It didn't win for production design. It didn't win for a score. It didn't wow. win for costume design. It didn't win for visual effects. Wow. We will look back sadly at that. I remember when when Seven when Seven Two came out. I was like, you have to give this movie something. It is so embarrassing. Can we talk about this for a second, though? Wait. Can I do the one more thing? Go for it. Seven hundred ninety-seven million. It is the sixth highest grossing movie of two thousand four. Shrek Two was number one. Shrek Two. But it is the least. This is an interesting uh, dichotomy. It's the least highest. It's the least grossing Harry Potter movie, but aside from the final one, it is the most critically acclaimed. Uh, yeah, and I know you like the last one more, and we can kind of talk about all the Harry Potter movies. Well, we need to make a discussion. We need to make a discussion about how we are grading these series films. Because I think they're case by case. Can I make that argument? Sure. Because, like, when we discuss Lord of the Rings... I'm cool with talking about Lord of the Rings as the whole thing. I want to talk about Lord of the Rings as the whole thing. And I think that's on... Like, I think I, that's fine because they shot them all at the same time. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a very distinct movie that has a very separate identity from all the other movies in a way that all of them have separate identities from each other. Well, you know what I mean? I don't think we're going to agree with, with this statement I'm about to make, but this is what I feel. Yeah. If it's just the movie... Yeah. I would take Little Miss Sunshine. That's fine. But Can when, we talk about Harry... Can we talk about this movie, though? Yeah, but, the Harry, but, but Harry Potter as a series... Mm-hmm. And, and and Prisoner of Azkaban, where it sits in that series, which is incredibly important. Yeah, it's, like, I, it's, it's, it's the defining it's movie huge. of it the whole thing. It changes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say defining. I'd say it's critical. It defined the the tone and of the shape of ones? the rest of the movie. Like, for sure. If, I agree. If, if those movies had continued on, on the Chris Columbus. And I think it's not for nothing that it was the least grossing. Like Because I think people were a little tuckered out after after those first two movies. Right. Um. But... When I look at the series as a whole and what the series accomplished, then it's the easiest choice ever. And I'm yeah. like, we have to, we have to have a, we have to have a representation of this series because what they accomplished in these eight movies will never yeah. ever ever be accomplished again. And I mean, we have it. We have a representation of them on this list. Um, I'm cool with either. Can I make the case for just Azkaban on its own as sure. its own movie, please? Alfonso Cuarón. Like I know we don't agree on this. Alfonso Cuarón rewatching all these movies for this is like. Hands down, like, my favorite director of this century so far. Like, he 
He did four movies that are incredibly well regarded. Also, he is the when he won director for Gravity, he was the first um, Mexican director to ever win best director. And the last five years, only one director has been not Mexican, mm. which is crazy. Wow. Um, but Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and Children of Men is like this too, which is also on this list. He has a way of making the worlds he lives in so tactile and real. Like, for my money, what ha- what is... And what's amazing about Harry Potter for everybody is, like, different things, right? But, like, what's amazing to Harry Potter about me, to me, is, like... And what was always special about it is the mixture of, like, magic is just, like, every day to these people. Like, they go about their lives and they do whatever they're doing, but, like, magic is happening. Like, it's how they clean the dishes. It's how they do, like, whatever. There's just, like, little moments, like, through the whole movie where he's just so keyed into the detail. Like, the detail in those books is so rich and so powerful. And something that I feel like Chris Columbus... did not do in the first two. And it's fine in the first one because the first one is so much about like, oh my goodness, like look at all this. And like, that movie does that really well. But like, the second one, like, magic, Chris Columbus doesn't know how to make magic like not like the biggest deal in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not a big deal in Azkaban and it shouldn't be because they're like, they're grown up at this point. But like, he gets the camera like, out of their faces and back and you have these amazing like vistas and like just the geography of everything it's my favorite john williams score like no daniel radcliffe is like not super up to par with like some of the emotional stuff he has to do in it but like i don't know i like live if i'm gonna watch a harry potter movie it's gonna be that one and obviously what all eight of those movies did is like unprecedented the fact that like they were able to sustain the integrity of those movies through eight movies in a way that, like... And I know, like, we can argue that, like, the Marvel movies do that and, like, whatever, but, like, those movies stuck to their guns of the story they were going to tell They were not afraid to change tones, to, like, be a little even, like, slower paced in seven, part one, which a lot of people like hate you know what i mean like they took risks with those movies and they and they had an amazing cast great design like so i hear you yeah the also what's really even and you know i'm one of the biggest marvel cinematic universe fans that there is yeah but it's impossible to compare to harry potter because harry potter cast a bunch of 10 year olds and then stuck with those ten year olds for ten, for twelve years. Yeah, yeah. That's you can't compare that to signing a bunch of adults to contracts. Yeah. That's not even comparable. And they all do a good job. They all grow up. Yeah. And uh, um, also, like the best like supporting cast. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's Game of Thrones level where you're just like, oh, okay. Now this. But it's like the A list. It is like the A list Game of Thrones. Not that Game of Thrones isn't A list, but like. Yeah, it's it's like show. sirs and dames. Like. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, the Also, what I would like to say about Azkaban specifically is that, obviously, I think Azkaban for me is... I, I suck at ranking these because they all come together so much for me, but it's, it's top three. It's top three mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and the, the what really works for Azkaban, though, is the fact that that third act is the best third act. Which the is time, tough. It's a tough one. It's a very tough, tough one. Super tough, tough to, to film. 
top to see because that's actually the part of the movie that I like the least of the entire movie. Is so that's really, and I love it, but like yeah. I think like a really cool how he gets how he immerses us in that world for the first two is like, but to have to do the third act twice sucks. Like I would hate being given that. Yeah, it's very tough. But they also, you know, it's also the first time I, I specifically remember it. Like there are just moments like when. Harry has this moment where he like turns around in the kitchen and like kind of like looks smug and it's like the first time that you're like Harry's growing up like yeah. Harry like yeah. looks handsome I remember my sister being like yeah Daniel Radcliffe's hot and I was like what like no. when did he go from like and he has moments and then like also like him and um the the Buckbeak stuff with just yeah. like it's all that score moment when he's flying on Buckbeak too is it's like incredible cool. and then of course you get to introduce the emotional centerpiece yeah. of the story which is Gary Oldman in Sirius Black and he is like also apparently Daniel Radcliffe that was like the moment he met Gary Oldman who was like one of his idols was the moment he was like I want to be an actor for for good for good yeah and and so I I love Azkaban I think we should move forward Azkaban. Okay. I think we can I'm talk down. about Little Miss Sunshine and we can talk about... Yeah, because that's the thing. If I if I go to think about it, like, I am not going to have as much... I'm not going to have as much passion behind Little Miss Sunshine, which I love. For sure. Like, Little Miss Sunshine is, um... Yeah, it's just good. It's just <laughs> very good. It's very funny. It's a great ensemble. It deals with, like... It deals with, like, sadness in a funny way. Like, it's... I... And the end of that movie, the reveal of what her... What her... Dances. Dance is is epic. She was she was nominated for that movie. Coming off of Big Fish, it's interesting to talk about another movie that in the end makes you feel so whole. Yeah. Uh in it's a, a sad yeah. way. But also like but also like the scene we were just watching this recently, weren't we? I was watching it and you were there when they're at the place and they're eating the ice cream and she's yeah. like doesn't want to eat the ice cream and then they all eat the ice cream like it's for incredible. Oh, I'm talking myself into a little bit of sunshine now. No, it's it's beautiful. Paul Dano Paul also Dano, this uh, is hugely represented on this list. He's in three movies. Paul Dano knows how to pick them. Yeah, he, he really does knows how to pick them. And also he's he's And the beginning of Steve Carell uh being starting the most epic career like shift in that we've like maybe seen. Like what Steve Carell's career has encompassed is like incredible yeah and tony collette always uh, the best i do want to say that being from the midwest um and seeing little miss sunshine it struck an unbelievable chord for me and why don't we move little miss sunshine because <laughs> i'm gonna finish it because okay well i already said why because right. also the 21st century if we're talking 21st century movies the biggest cinematic accomplishment for me, over the course of the whole thing, is that in two thousand and what two? Sure. Do, through th is 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 the Harry Potter franchise. And yet, the movie that took twelve years to make is not. But okay. <laughs> um, we don't want to go back there, Kyle. We're in a happy place right now. All right. All right. Um, but my point is that Little Miss Sunshine really struck a chord because, you know, Greg Kinnear's character, it, like this idea of like being a winner and like this and it's kind of this endless this endless. Um, yeah, positivity and like there, there was just like that. There can be all that stuff on the top, and yet underneath can be deep, deep, deep seated other emotions, and uh, and how long it takes him to get there. And obviously, like that wasn't my experience growing up. Like I wasn't like, like I didn't have a, a, a grandpa with a heroin problem, you know, or different things like that. And and and, but I do understand the fact that like, ev like everyone feels so trapped at the beginning of that movie in so many ways and 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 yet they're all and they're all family but they're not family like they don't 
and then by the end of it, it's just like they're all. Uh, it's 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 beautiful. It's really a beautiful movie. Um, yeah. The 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 accomplishment and the scope of what Azkaban is within the scope of Harry Potter and yeah. all those things gives it to it for me. But shout out. We to should talk about why we what we're talking about with the Azkaban thing, which is that like the first two movies, while they made a bunch <laughs> of money, like mm-hmm. were. I mean. They, they're very, very carbon copy of the book, like, pretty uninspired adaptations in terms of cinematic language. Well, the first one you have the first to give one, credit. I'm fine with. I'm fine with the first one. It's, it's the second one that you're like, it's the we same just did movie. this. We just did this. We yeah. just did this. But, like, now there's Dutch angles. Yeah. And, and like, and, and it's the same, like, everything is the same. But, like, Azkaban, like, completely blew it up and also said to the team... It is okay to cut this, change this, uh, move this around. Yes, so we're moving forward, Azkaban. Oh, here's another fun... This is a fun fact about Azkaban. Give it to me. Um, so, so everybody was like... Oh, there's two fun facts. You probably know this one. That Alfonso Cuaron came on set and was like... All three of the... You definitely know this. That all yep. three of the actors had to write a character, an essay about their character. Do you know this? Yes, uh, and, and Ron Hudson wrote fifteen pages. Dan Radcliffe wrote one, and Ron didn't turn it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like <laughs> Rupert Grant didn't turn it in. Um, and then the other one is that he said to the design, and obviously he. Ha- I'm sorry, I'm gonna be like, I I can't do Alfonso Cuarón like I can do Albert Finney, but he like he's like has a Mexican accent and was telling the designers that when the Dementors come, I want eyes to be on the windows and they were like wow this guy's really trippy so they went away and drew it and they came back and they drew eyes on the window <laughs> and he was like he was like what eyes, are you doing eyes he was like what is this they were like well he wanted we thought it was really cool you said you wanted eyes to pop up on the window and he was like no eyes <laughs> eyes and points out <laughs> points to ice water. But, like, it's so... It, it speaks so highly to, like, his spirit that, like, people were like, yeah, yes, eyes. We're gonna put like, eyes on everything. That's amazing. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Onward. Onward, onward, onward. Where you go, Alfonso? Next up... Okay, wow, that was a 12 seed being a 5 seed. Okay. Nice work. <laughs> you don't give a crap. Uh, next up, the 3 seed Inception versus the 14 seed The Avengers. <laughs> this is kind of a weird one too. This is a tough one for me. This is a really tough one for me. I, I this is one I kind of defer to you on. Um, can I uh, let me do the both of them? Avengers yes. is by far the highest grossing movie we have on this list. Yeah. Because it is one of the highest grossing movies ever. Um, Inception had eight nominations and four wins for cinematography, sound mixing, sound editing, and visual effects. It is number 51 on the BBC 100 Best Films of the 21st Century. It is number 84 on the Hollywood Reporter 100 of all time. It uh, was the number 6 highest grossing movie of 2010. Toy Story 3 was number 1. That was the year we graduated high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other movie, Avengers. Top 25 uh, best audience rating on IMDb with an 8.8. Inception. Inception. I remember when Inception came out, people were like, this is the best movie of all time. Yeah, a lot of people thought that. Um, And it did five times its production budget, which for a Christopher Nolan movie is pretty crazy. Also, the first time Christopher Nolan had ever used CGI. 
Wow. Um, he had never used CGI before until the Dreamscape stuff. And Dark Knight is before this. Dark Knight's before this. No CGI in Dark Knight, which also attributes to the fact that they made a superhero movie with no CG. Yeah. That's absurd. Um, absurdly great, because they don't do that anymore, clearly. No, I know. It's kind of, it's kind of too bad. Um, the Avengers had one nomination for visual effects. It is the highest grossing film of 2012, and of our list. Yes. Um, I, I feel very, the same about both these movies, which is I like them, both. Uh, funny story about Inception, um, so, I have always wanted a little bit of a detour here. I loved, I loved, loved, loved going to midnight movies. Not at 10 p.m., not at 9 p.m. or 7 p.m. I hate that they Sorry. changed that. I hate that now, on Thursdays, you can just go see a movie at the regular time. It just comes out on the Thursday night. Because, and I get why they did it from a money standpoint, but, like, I loved the fact that you had to sacrifice feeling really tired on Friday for school if you really, really, really wanted to see a movie at midnight on Thursday. And it was an event. Everyone's film, every theater, in the movie theater was starting at the exact same time. You, there wasn't reserved seating in the late, two, in like up to 2010. So you had to go and get there at 11 and sit in your seat and save your seats. And it was, you would go with friends and it was such an event. And there's, I have such vivid memories of all of the midnight movies I ever saw. I literally have a, a, um, an, a document on my laptop of all the midnight movies I ever saw because they're all such events for me. And Inception was one of those movies where I went to the bathroom at 11.30. We had like saved the seat. I had work at 7 a.m. the next day. Like I was truly giving up like my sleep mm. in the summer to see Inception. It was a long movie. And I legitimately, I had drinking like so much waiting for the movie. I had to pee. Soda. From you a, drank too I, much soda. soda. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I drank too much soda. I had to pee from 30 minutes in through the next two hours. It's a two and a half hour movie. The next two hours, I had to pee the whole time, and I refused. I refused to I get up. I think that's pretty much the endorsement to move uh, forward. No, no, no. I just, I was so, I was like, if I get up, something's going to happen, and I'm not going to understand this movie, and I already am having, like, I'm already like, okay, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. If I get up and go pee, I'll have no clue, and it'll, like, waste this whole midnight movie. So the whole last 30 minutes, I'm, like, controlling my breathing, like, this is so good, this is so good. Breathe, Jimmy, breathe, because mm. I had to pee so bad. Um, so I'll, I'll always remember Inception as the movie that I had to pee the whole time and fought it. Uh, it's really, really good. It's... It'd pro I'd probably move Inception forward, but... I think I'll move Inception I, forward. I want... Okay. Um, it's really hard... And should we talk about Avengers? Uh, this is I so honestly will defer to you on this one, but you gotta do me a solid a little later. I mean, I'm cool with discussing it if you if you I'm, have yours. I'm, I'm like... I feel pretty evenly about both these movies. I, I think mean, they I are both... Too. I think they are both extremely good examples of, like... Popular entertainment at its like best form in movies, for sure. Like I, I think that um, Inception is a little more ambitious in an original in its idea. I also think the Avengers is incredibly good at doing something that is uh difficult and you know that i do not like superhero movies the so, avengers is the only mcu movie that we have on this list that's not true 
We have uh, Guardians. And Guardians. Sorry, we have the Avengers and Guardians. That actually makes an interesting point. I'll move forward Inception. Yeah, I was going to say that because I was going to say that I feel like you like... I'll probably fight for Guardians a little bit more. I love the Avengers so, so much. I think the Avengers pulled off something that people thought was impossible to pull off. I think Joss Whedon is one of the most underrated directors. He understands comedy. He understands... He, he has a way of, of being creative and making choices while also honoring fan bases. I really think he's a, he's a modern Marvel. What he does in terms of like... Just it has a there's a human element to that movie with the with the Samuel L. Jackson character and the Clark Gregg character yeah. that is really nice to have because it gives you a protagonist to that isn't just like I must save the day which is always kind of like okay we're doing this again you know what I mean it's like it's about that like they're trying to make this work and they're kind of like you know they're kind of the heart and soul of the movie and that's really nice to have. It also is so sure-footed in its handling of, like, each of the separate characters. It was kind of before I feel like they all kind of became Iron Man's. Like, a lo- not not the characters in the Avengers, but, like, a lot of the, like, like, a lot of the characters that have come down the line are, like, again, like, snarky guys who kind of, like, don't care about much. They're kind of uh, misanthropic. Um, but there's, but he's the misanthrope of the group. Then you've got, you know, you've got all these different character types coming together. Which Guardians of the Galaxy does well as well. Um, but, um, yeah. That's what I, I think is good. It also has the best villain for me, aside from Black Panther. Like, the villain, and he's so fun. He's of the Marvel movies. Also, I just want to take the time to say, coming off of Avengers Infinity War now, too, they've even figured out more and more. Like, Avengers laid the groundwork for so much and really just set the tone for like we can do anything like we can we can pull this off like that was if iron man was like the the crack in the door like just the crack the door open avengers blew the door off the hinges and was like we can do this we can put these superheroes together we can and and no one has been able to replicate or come anywhere close to that when it comes to superheroes and and DCEU has tried and Sony has had to become part of Marvel, uh, team up with them, same with Fox. Everybody has given up. They've, they've won the battle and the war, and um, that's a tribute to, that's attributed to how good the Avengers is. So I'll leave it there. Um, I'm going to go with Inception, and we can talk more about Inception the next round, I guess. Great. Dope. And also, shout out Nolan. Yeah, two movies into the second round. Yeah, they're the only, because t- he doesn't have three on here. Okay, uh, kind of shocked Dunkirk. I thought we'd have more of a discussion about Dunkirk, but we well we we both had it on our list, but we then we knock it off. We knocked it off just because we were just like yeah. yeah. Okay, we're almost done with this bracket. We got three more left. Okay, oh. next we've got Juno. It's the six seed versus City of God as the eleven seed. Ooh, wow! I love both these movies. Very um, very hard matchup. I'm probably gonna go with. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with Juno. Yeah? Yeah, I love both of them a lot. Um, would you go with Juno? No, I'd go with City of God. Can I make the case... I'm cool with going with City of God. I'm cool with going with either of these, but can I make the case for Juno? I mean, like, it... I, you, you don't have to. I know, I, I, I want to make the case specifically in this, in this certain realm. I think cool. that Juno, Ellen Page's performance as Juno... Juno is is hands down my favorite comedy of the of the twenty first century. Oh yeah, it is 
so incredibly moving, funny, and Ellen Page as Juno, I think, is like a legendary female character in movies and one that has never existed after or before. Great. I think that, and I think that's that, a pitch. Go. I think <laughs> that that in and of itself, in a in a very you know a very boys heavy club yep. of movies, like yeah. I'm and written by Diablo Cody, like one of the best screenplays of the of the last century, like incredible movie. Um, and Jason Reitman, Jason Reitman, he's he's Richard Linkletter with a more linear way of looking at things mm-hmm. in that he is so deeply felt and everything is about emotion and truth in all of his movies. And Juno, for me, is the best example of that. It's also the only Jason Reitman movie we have on here. But City of God is, um, is like, if, if we were going to, if we were going to talk about Slumdog, yeah, if we were going to talk about Slumdog and we were going to talk about like Gangs of New York... I would say, like, City of God is, like, the better version of, like, both of those movies for me. Hmm, okay. In terms of, like, oh, God, City of God is so good. City of God is... Oh, wait, 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 we gotta do the things. Okay. Juno had four nominations and one win for original screenplay. Um, at number 15 on the box office list of that year, it was our highest grossing movie of 2007. Um, that we have on here. Guess what was number one? Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3. Favorite a, section of movie. What a dark time in our history. Um, <laughs> what was the other movie? City of God. Uh, I'm about to blow your mind also with something about Juno. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. 30 times its production budget. It's epic. 30. There's only one movie on here that's more. And I bet you can take a guess at what that is. It came out recently. Go for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... City of God had four nominations uh-huh. for director, editing, adapted screenplay, and cinematography. It this was like an example of like a foreign. This is like a Pan's Labyrinth level like foreign movie that like blew up over here. Huge. Um, number thirty eight on the BBC one hundred. Yeah, I'm cool with moving City of God forward. Uh, I just want to say about City of God. So City of God is one of those movies that like someone. So I was given a movie list. A list of movies uh, that I needed to watch when I was a freshman in college. By who? By Matt Gray, one of our acting oh, professors. Okay. He gave us all a movie list, and I started like cranking through it because I felt like I was like, "Wow, I love movies," and I haven't seen a third of these. Um, it was like uh, I want to say like forty movies, 10, 10 foreign films, um, and I hadn't seen any of the foreign films. None of them, and I was like, I didn't even know them. It was like some Fellini was on there, some. It was, it was a lot of shit that I was like, I don't know any of this. I watched City of God, and, like, I thought that I was, like, kind of, like, checking a box. And I was like, ah, I've seen this movie. Yes, like, I've seen it. Check. And what followed was, like, the first time that I was, like, a movie that's not in English. I can feel like these people speak my language. Like, it is the most... And I know that sounds like a small thing... But I was 18. No, it's a super accessible. And the moment that I was like, wait a second, like just because a movie's in a different language doesn't mean that that movie can't be funny. Doesn't mean that that movie can't be like so adventurous and so... That movie should have absolutely... Yeah, because Lord of the Rings didn't win that year. It should have absolutely won cinematography. The way that movie is shot is... It's beautiful. And it was like... And it's beyond... 
it also made the one of the first times that I really was like, I am a citizen of the world, and these people have different experiences from me, but like, and I don't thank know. Thank God was, we're here and not there, right? And thank God, thank God it we're is, here and not there. It's it's a danger. The the scene where. The, the character of Benny, who's the, like, benign... So there's, like, Little Z, who's, like, the evil, the, like, right. villain, who is one of the most chilling villains in, like... Like, when he's seeing the little boy, like, shoot all those people, and when you find out that the little boy killed that whole uh, bro- brothel or whatever yeah. it was, like, he's... Oh, he's so scary. It's a phenomenal um, idea, too, of just, like, the idea of this, like photographer this kid who likes photography right rocket rocket's like he's the best he's like such a yeah he's a pair of eyes he's a pair of eyes where you're watching this whole thing unfold and you feel and he's so sweet and then benny the nice guy who lil z likes a lot he's like one of the best characters and his going away party like that is like a set piece like to rival like the the i knew it was you fredo like moment in godfather 2 like it is like so yeah, I'm cool with Moving City of God. I just wanted to kind of make the case for like, Juno's fantastic. All Jason Reitman. I'm so, I I love Jason Reitman. And Juno also was like cultural. Like everyone saw Juno. Yeah. Everyone saw Juno. She's so funny, and every time that end scene, like the scene with Allison Janney, where she like is at the ultrasound and she like is reading the the technician uh-huh. for being like, oh thank God you're adopting. She's like, excuse me. Like, that so seems great. Oh, well, thank goodness for that. What's that supposed to mean? I just see a lot of teenage mothers come through here. It's obviously a poisonous environment to raise a baby in. How do you know that I'm so poisonous, you know? Like, what if these adoptive parents turn out to be, like, evil molesters? Or, like, stage parents. They could be utterly negligent. Maybe they'll do a far shittier job of raising a kid than my dumbass stepdaughter ever would. Have you considered that? No, I guess not. What is your job title exactly? I'm an ultrasound technician, ma'am. Well, I'm a nail technician, and I think we both ought to stick to what we know. Excuse me? Oh, you think you're so special because you get to play picture pages up there? My five-year-old daughter could do that, and let me tell you, she's not the brightest bulb in the tanning bed. So why don't you go back to night school in Mantino and learn a real trade? Bren, use a dick. I love it. Like, and then the end is just, like, the end just, like, makes me cry so much. Because she just is, like, there's the part where Juno gets on the phone and she's just, like, I've been out dealing with things way beyond my age, like, my emotional intelligence or age, whatever. Like, she just, like, has to deal with so much in that movie. And, like, it's such a great way of looking at, like, how, like, at, again, like, the sort of, I was talking about this as boyhood, but, like, how your consciousness expands and how you're just, like, oh, wait. It's the opposite of boyhood, really, because it's kind of, like, wow, like, adulthood like can be really it just also in someone else's hands it might have been a thing about like the michael Sarah role is so funny to me because it's like that's not like in another hands like that could have been like the 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 main part of the movie of like their relationship and like i thought you loved me and like it could have been like this and it was it avoided every trope yeah, and it completely does. It that. did, and it, it effortlessly. And so then you, also, like, it's not like this this faith film of like, oh, like, like it, she gives the child to Jennifer Garner and Jason Bateman. Like, they have their own issues, and like, well, she he's gives a it child. To Jennifer Garner. Like, That's true, but like, yeah. you know, it's not like this perfect like, yeah. like look at this like anti-abortion film or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. so just oh, avoids these everything. Hard to be bored. So we're not moving Juno forward. Uh, we're gonna move forward. City of God. All right. Is that okay? That's fine. Um, City of God goes forward. Sidade de Deus.
Next up, we have in the number seven seed. City of God, eleven seed. Wow, little little upset. Next up, we have Finding Nemo, the seven seed versus Ex Machina, the ten seed. Um, you talk first on this one. Uh, want to give us a little thing on the movies? Oh yeah, thank you. Finding Nemo had four Oscar nominations and one win for animated feature. It is number 96 on the BBC 100 uh, Best Films of the 21st Century. It has a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes, which, along with Lady Bird and Get Out, are highest, not that it matters, but highest uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, it is the second highest grossing film of 2003. The number one was Return of the King. And Return of the King was the last time that the highest grossing film of the year won Best, won Best Picture. And it is the only time in the 21st century. No, that's not true. Yeah, it is. It, it is, is true. Because Avatar didn't win. Uh, ten, it did ten times its production budget, which was absurd. It has. It's in the top 100 rated movies on IMDb based on audience ratings. I... Wait, I want to do Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. Ex Machina had two nominations and the most astounding win... Of the last few years, which was... Visual effects. Exciting win, but... No one picked it. A very sophisticated... Sam was saying it was a very sophisticated move for the Oscars, um, which it was, uh, for visual effects for that movie. Um, yeah. Um, um, I think Ex Machina is, like, excellent. I It's not my favorite sci-fi movie on this list. Uh, Finding Nemo. We've already knocked out by my own thing a pixar movie nemo's my favorite pixar movie um what are you thinking what pixar movie did we knock out we knocked out inside out oh to maybe save later yeah that's right sad face <laughs> dang it nemo's gonna make it farther than inside out you have to give nemo credit for what it did for when it did it for what are you talking about when you say that i i think that nemo if toy story I think Toy Story was the OG of just, like, Disney Pixar, obviously, and if Toy Story's not a success, maybe we don't see the movies that we've now, like, come yeah, to understand definitely. as one of the greatest canons of the last 20 years, uh, but Nemo was, like, cemented Pixar's place as, like, we're here and we're not going anywhere. It's one of their most beautiful-looking movies, too. The Very water is, like, intense. Just, like... Similar to Toy Story, where you're like, oh, these are adult themes, these are, but it's a children's movie that everyone can watch. It's dark. You, it's, yeah. I mean, the beginning of that movie where he loses his wife. It's so that, dark. And all the babies, except the one, is. They laid movie. the groundwork for when they were like, all right, up, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to start it off. Right. <laughs> and we're just going right. to give you a but picture Nemo of kill for, his wife. For my money, Nemo is, like, the one that, like, hits my heart the strongest. Like, And you're not alone in that. I mean, when, that's a... I mean, also, aside from the fact that Ellen DeGeneres is hysterically funny in it, and I can't... Like, one of those characters that was, like, you saw it and you were, like, yep, a classic. Like, Heath Ledger in Dark Knight. Like, you saw it and you were just, like, yep, that's, like, iconic. Instantly. She's very funny. And it's... And then... But then at the... Like, at the end when Nemo is, like, die, gonna die... And the dad has him. It's just like he goes through all those lengths to get him back. He does. It's beautiful. And it also, like, I feel like in a little bit of the later ones, like, 
Which is awesome that Pixar is dealing with this stuff in like Wall-E and in Inside Out. Like it's amazing that they're dealing with what they're dealing with in those movies, like adult themes in a children's movie. Nemo does it in a way that is never comes out and says what it's about. In a really, really admirable way, I think. I mean, it's kind of like a post 9-11 movie of like, I mean, it's kind of hard to look at some of these movies and not think about 9-11. Um, but like, in terms of like, look, the world is really scary. Like, horrible things happen in it. But you cannot, like, stay in your anemone and like, helicopter your child. Preach, man getting real talking finding nemo it's a beautiful uh, movie it is i think it's yeah it, it's it's a beautiful movie i i think it just didn't i what are you thinking of are you thinking of moving ex machina forward no we should move forward finding nemo it's right. just it's just it's it's my least like i i i respect i know this is so cliche but i really respect finding nemo and i like finding nemo i think it's very 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 good it's just like it's not top three pixar for me because but that's like that's so, gonna be subjective to everybody, and also and I, like Pixar made like amazing has made amazing, amazing movies. movies. We so have it's four sad. Pixar it's very, it's just like sad to me that like Nemo's moving forward and Inside Out isn't. Right. Because I think that Inside Out is like the evolution of Pixar and like continuing sure. to grow and continue to get better. And and I think Inside Out is like one of their crowning achievements. Um. But but Nemo again like if it wasn't for Nemo, Inside Out wouldn't be possible. So I respect that, and I say like great Nemo and. As far as Ex Machina goes, this is one of the few movies on here that we saw together for we the did, first time. We did, we did, we um, did. So we're what leaving a weird, Ex Machina behind. What a, yeah, what a weird, but fun, disturbing... Uh, it's a sm very smart movie. A little too smart. smart for its own good, but but very smart movie. And uh, just the movie that reminded us that Domino Gleeson can't act before we got to Star Wars. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Alicia Vikander. We should really say Burst that this, we should literally say that Ex Machina won two Oscars because Alicia Vikander won supporting actress for the, the Danish, Danish girl, girl, aka both of the movies, aka together. Ex Machina. Yeah, um, yeah. I love Ex Machina. It's like Sam Sam Friend shout out said like a really great thing about it, which is that it was just like this game of like rock paper scissors that was just like endless. It just like goes on and on and on and on and on. Wait, what do you mean by that? Just that, like, you... I remember watching it the first time and just being like, who is, like, winning? And who is puppet mastering? Right, who's and in I, control here? And I did not know until the end. And I think what it says about, like... Can I spoil the movie? Yeah, sure, spoiler alert. If you haven't spoiler seen Ex Machina, check it out. When she finally dupes them all and escapes and infiltrates the real world, like... You get that, like, she is the best and the smartest of all of them, but, like, you also get that, like, it's Oscar Isaac's fault, which I think is really interesting. That, like, he made her that way because he is that way. Yeah. But the whole time I was like, well, Oscar Isaac's a robot, or, you know, and then it doesn't do, it doesn't do that. It's a great, it's a great movie. It's my, it's probably top two Oscar Isaac's performance for me. He's, yeah, he's, he's pretty great. incredible in that. He's great. The dancing scene is also one of the funniest Weird, creepy scene. I told you, you're wasting your time talking to us. However, you would not be wasting your time if you were dancing with us. 
Um, yeah, Ex Machina is great. It also, like, while it is not my favorite sci-fi movie on this, I think what it does for sci-fi in movies, which is very restrained use of it, which is why I say that it winning visual effects was, like, a pretty sophisticated choice, is, like, I want to see more of that. Yeah. Come on, buddy. After a long day of Turing test, you gotta unwind. Last one from this side of the bracket, and then we're halfway through the first round. Million Dollar Baby of the two seed versus oh, no. Super Bad is the 15th We're seed. only halfway through the first. It takes time, man. Million Dollar Baby versus Super Bad. That's a tough one. This one's really easy for me, but you know that already. Is it Super Bad? It's Super Bad. We, we had a lot of discussion about whether Million Dollar Baby was going to make this list. Not, not on my end. Um, a little bit. We knocked it off for something else originally. Remember? And then we brought it back. Yeah, but I didn't want that movie. I didn't want Mystic River. Oh, yeah. Million Dollar Baby. Uh, seven nominations and four wins. It won for Best Picture, Director, Actress, and Supporting Actor. It is number three after There Will Be Blood and Spirited Away on the New York Times 25 and Super Bad, which is somewhere on here. Uh, there's no real interesting stats about Superbad. Superbad did eight times its production budget. Uh, it's one of the highest, top three highest gro grossing Judd, um, top three highest grossing of Seth Rogen's and Evan Goldberg's, obviously. Um, so, I want to, I want to, this is something where I want to break something up, that I am saving my fight on a few things, and I want that to be respected. Saving your fight? You fought for, you got boyhood through. Yeah, that's one of the two movies that I'm going to fight for. And you're going to fight for Mulholland? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but who says I'm going to be against Mulholland? I'm just saying that I am like, those are two movies that like, I need in the 16. Then we can get them out of there. But I need them there. <laughs> well, I need them there. Well, if you have a fight on Million Dollar Baby, give the fight, baby. I'm going to give a little bit of the fight, but like, Here's the thing about Superbad is that, like, Superbad is the only Judd Apatow-produced comedy we have on here. And Judd Apatow, what Judd Apatow has done for comedy in the 21st century is, like, amazing. Amazing. And Superbad is my personal favorite of them. Because I think that the only thing that makes me uncomfortable about the Judd Apatow movies is that they're always about, like, men in situations of arrested development. But Superbad's about high schoolers, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, it, but, um, super bad, I mean, like, it's just, like, it's obviously so funny. Again, McLovin, a character like Dory that was just, like, you saw her, him and you were, like, iconic. He also looked like me in high school. Um. <laughs> and he wore an <laughs> So, like, Where I'm the down. Best? You look fucking Aladdin. What the hell is that? Vest. I'm, I'm trying to look older. You look like Pinocchio. No, it's just a vest. You know, they got a lot of booze in there. If we get in now, we can get to the party faster with all Jules' shit. No way, man. I work there. They know I'm not 25. Nobody said anything about you, dick mouth. You really f***ed me on this one. So now, I'm gonna steal the booze. Don't, don't do this. I promise you, I'll get the liquor later. Mike Snyder's ID always works. So am I, man. Mike Snyder's ID doesn't have one f***ing name on it! Okay? I thought you Dartmouth guys would be smart enough to understand that. Now Seth's got to pick up all the pieces. He won't do it. Don't worry. Oh, oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, my mom said we can have the TV from the basement. And I've got Shut like the fuck up, man. He's going to hear you. Just be quiet. Wait until he goes away. You still haven't told him that we're rooming together? Full of shut the fuck up. 
And take off your vest. You look like Aladdin. Okay. Uh, I'm down for super bad. Like I'm super down for super bad. Like uh, one of the best comedies I think. Like it's very very so funny and also again what Judd Apatow does so well in picking his stuff is like just like getting it real, getting it truthful, like making it about like who these people are and not about jokes. It's like I love. I think what I love most about Superbad outside of the comedy and how funny it is and how many like laughs per minute there are because there's so many yeah is the last 10 minutes the the, the scene, sleepover the the sleepover yeah. and then the mall scene afterwards yeah it's it beautiful that's what makes it it's it's it really comes home and you're like that's it it's high school like yeah. that's awesome i love you i love you man i love you i love you i'm not even embarrassed to say it. I just I, I love you I'm not embarrassed love you I love you it's like why don't we say that every day why can't we say it more often I just love you I just want to go to the rooftops and scream I love my best friend Evan we should go up on my roof for sure like when you went away for Easter on your vacation like, I missed you I missed you too I want the world to know it's 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 the most beautiful thing in the world. Boop, boop, boop. It, like, I don't know if you've it's ever... crazy, 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 but then it's also just, like, these guys' friendship. And, like, it, it, the way that comes home and then just, like, going to the mall, I just... Yep. It's, in, it's incredible. But I don't know if you've ever seen Itu Mama Tambien, but it has a very similar ending to Itu Mama oh, Tambien, yeah. interestingly enough, which, which has been acknowledged by all of the... Uh, by Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah and... Also, like, big breakthrough for, obviously, Jonah Hill and big breakthrough Emma Stone. Like, Judd Apatow Huge. discovered her, and apparently he saw her and was like, she's she's special. But you can tell. But I do, we do need to say that, like, Million Dollar Baby is, like... It's Clint Eastwood's best. Clint Eastwood was on a roll in this early part of the, of the 2000s. He did... He did and this, Mystic River, and Letters from Ujima. He did Fights Our Fathers, too. I, oh, that's actually tough. I probably would go with Mystic River over this. I love Mystic River. But, and, I, and I do think American Sniper is fantastic. Sure. I don't super love it. But I think that, I think that Million Dollar Baby is like, oh, God. It's like, it's really, really good. Like, it's also the last movie that won Best Picture that also won Best Actress. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just like, I just don't want a boys club here. But, um, but the way that that movie deals with the eventual sadness that is going to overtake that movie mm -hmm. is really, really impressive. It also is my, hands down, my favorite Morgan Freeman performance really yeah i love him in that movie i think he's like he's like so the emotional like guardian of that movie and hillary swank is so good and clint's good in it like the writing of it like every relationship in that movie is so funny and so real and it's like it's definitely my favorite sports movie on here well, I was thinking about that, too. I was like, wow, that, if that's the sports movie that moves on, that's a good one to move on. It's, I think also it's one of those movies that got so, it, it had such a a big 
like it was so big and then it became kind of spoofed and then it became this like it it, it became yeah. almost like a cultural thing to comment on which took away from the heart well it had there was a controversy be- around it because it deals with spoiler alert euthanasia yeah but i mean it's the way it handles it is fucking brilliant yeah um i can find nothing wrong with million dollar baby um i i will say this is this is going to be something that we're going to come back to but what I think, uh, if I were to like knock something against Million Dollar Baby, it's that like, I just I, I get more out of watching Superbad now than I do Million Dollar Baby. I felt like Million Dollar Baby is a fantastic like one time viewing experience. It's a fa- like it's per it's so good. It's it's a really great like everyone should see it see it once. Whereas Superbad is something that like. I just continue to watch and enjoy more and more and more and more and more. Right. Um, I just want to. I just want us to remember that. Well, let's move super bad forward. Okay. Yes. Yes, we shall. Love you, super bad. I'm glad you love me now. Gladiator. The next. We're in the next part of the bracket. The number one seed is Gladiator. The number sixteen is Swiss Army Man. Oh wow. Um. Here's all I'm gonna say about this because I know what you're gonna pick. We did, we did Swiss Army Man, like, shout out to you for making this list. Yeah, here's all I'll say, is that in 25 years, um, in my, it's my thought that if somebody were to watch Gladdy, if somebody were to watch both of these movies, I think that they would watch Gladiator, and they, and if they have seen other movies... There's n- there is nothing in Gladiator that is not in other movies. There's nothing remarkable about Gladiator to me. I think that. Uh, well, uh, look at where I'm coming at. Look, at, look at where I'm coming at from that. Which is that? Which is that? Like, I have seen Lawrence of Arabia many times. I have seen Ben Hur many times. I have seen Spartacus once. <laughs> we I, all saw Spartacus once. It's a great movie. It's. Those, like, I'm glad that there's this throwback movie that came out in the 2000s, but it is just that for me. It is just a throwback with a good central performance from Russell Crowe. Swiss Army Man, yes, is a less solid movie in terms of, it. like, it's a hot mess of a movie. But I think that the originality, there's, you can't make any bones that Swiss Army Man is, is like, the most original possible thing on this list that you could find. I, it's so original. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the most original, maybe. And, like, everything it about is... it is full of imagination. And to me, I'm kind of just like, what is filmmaking if not imagination? I don't think there's much technique behind Gladiator. Like, I think the action scenes are really jittery and, like, impossible to follow. I don't think that the plot of it is anything that we haven't seen in the Revengers tragedy or uh, Sweeney Todd or Django Unchained. I just feel like it's like, okay, yeah, it's a revenge story. We get it. But you love Gladiator. Um, yeah, well, let me let me talk about... Let's start with Gladiator. Let me talk about Swiss Army Man because I, I love Swiss Army Man. I think Swiss Army Man's score is probably top five scores on this list. Yeah, it should have been nominated. I think it's, it's beautiful. I think it's... Oh, can we do the... Sorry, can we do the things first? Yeah, let's go for it. Gladiator, 12 nominations, uh, five wins for Best Picture. Yes, I'm taking down Best Picture. Um, 
actor, costume design, visual effects, and sound mixing. It is the first film to win Best Picture without directing or screenwriting wins since 1949. So Steven Soderbergh won director this year uh, for Traffic, but he was nominated twice. Did you know this? No. Yeah, so Steven Soderbergh was nominated against himself. Oh, no way. For Aaron Brockovich. Oh, both those movies yeah. in the same year? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, epic. Um, it is number 69 on the Hollywood Reporter 100 Best Films of All Time. Fantastic. Um, it is the number four movie of that year. Interestingly enough, The Grinch was number one. Um, Swiss Army Man is about to shoot itself in the foot. It is the least highest grossing film of our batch at five million. A measly five million. Yeah. And the least uh, acclaimed. And yet we love it. We love it. I don't understand why more people didn't love it. Well, it's... It's, it's not built for... Ma Again, this is a movie that is not built for mass appeal. Like, it's about... It is about a, a dead man who washes up on the shore of the place and farts his way across an ocean and then leads Paul Dana to, like, civilization with his erection. Like... But in that, it is also, like... In its messiness, like, it is also, like a really kind of ambitious look at like at like life and what it means like to be alive and whether it's worth like being alive like it's 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 really kind of it's brilliant it's brilliant it's so funny him, it's so funny. It's so funny. I don't understand. I just based on like funny, just based on like comedy alone. I thought. But it is like, weird. It's it really weird. weird, and that turn, that weirdness turns some people off, and I don't blame them. Yeah. It also it does come home in like a really way. I just they love, said they wanted the the first fart to make you laugh and the last laugh to make the fart to make you cry, and I don't know if I cry at the end, but I cry at certain parts of it. I just love when Daniel Radcliffe's like, if this is a place where I would be judged for my farts. And for my, if being alive, I'd be judged for my farts. Yes. And I couldn't show anyone my erections. I don't want to be alive. It's like go to the sweetest moment. Truly, like, truly. <laughs> it's really the sweetest. Truly two of the most like committed performances of ever. The, yeah. I love, I love all the different things when like Paul Dano was using Daniel Radcliffe for all the tasks while explaining like what civilization is. If you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. This is from home, where all the other people are. Why is it out here now? Well, it's trash. It's everything people don't want, so we hide it. Why don't people want it anymore? Well, that's broken. That's empty. This is useless, smelly, old. How'd you get so far from home? I, I ran away, but that's, it doesn't matter. That's what's important is you remembering your life. Okay, what is life? Uh, okay. This is you. This is your body. And, and that's where your brain is, and that's where you're going to remember something. Humans have evolved over millions and millions of years to be this way. And we do all this stuff because it helps us survive. Kind of. What's that? This poop. Poop 
is when your body takes everything it doesn't want and squeezes it out of your butt. Everything poops. There's a book everybody reads about it when they're a kid. People poop every day or extra when they're scared or sick or right when they die because uh, you shit your pants when you die. Oh, God. No, it's okay. People die every day. What do they do with all the dead people? Do they hide them? Yeah. So I'm like trash. No, you're different. Maybe you fell in radioactive waste, or maybe you were a special genetically engineered soldier who was cryogenically frozen and sent back in time to save me and save all of mankind. Oh, Supermanny, save me. You got something in there. You're like the multi-purpose tool guy. You're special. I'm special. Yeah, and that's why I need you to help me get home. Back in civilization, there's seven billion other living people on the planet just running around and blinking and breathing and eating, and you used to be one of them. You were probably just looking for happiness. That's what everyone does. This is what you look like when you're happy. You look for someone who will make you happy, a friend, a girlfriend, or a dog. Good boy. Good boy. Sometimes you might be lucky enough to bump into the one person you want to spend the rest of your life with, and that... Love. Okay, you want to go home so you can have love. Yeah. But you ran away because nobody loves you. <laughs> That's not true. You're broken and empty and dirty and smelly and useless and old. You're like trash, right? Shut up! What? I'm sorry, Hank. I'm just saying the things in my head. Well, you can't just say everything that comes into your head. That's bad talking. Oh, I'm sorry. <sighs> It's, oh, yeah. it's so brilliant. But also, you talked about this. And the cinematography in that, too. Like, that is a movie that, like, costs nothing. And it looks like Gone with the Wind. Like, it looks, it looks like... beautiful. It looks like a big, big, big budget movie. And the, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful. So, this is all I'll say is, like, if you really... Are you going to move... You want to move Gladiator forward? I'm sorry. There's just, like, I could... I can... I'm going to have to fight... I, Gladiator is one of the most quotable... One of the most enjoyable, one of the, the What's best period in Gladiator. Sometimes, <laughs> chill out. I Are you not entertained? No, I'm not. I'm really not. I'm very entertained. You've got your Albert. This is my this is my Rust All right, I'm ready. The frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick. <laughs> the frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick. I'm required to kill, so I kill. That is enough. My name is Gladiator. How dare you show your back to me? Slave! You will remove your helmet and tell me your name. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Commander of the Armies of the North, General of the Felix Legions. Loyal servant to the true Emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. People should know when they're conquered. Is this not why you are here? 
at my signal. Unleash hell. You find yourself alone, riding in green fields with the sun on your face. Do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, and you're already dead! <laughs> Brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Are you a man who once said death smiles at us all? All a man can do is smile back. Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> it's a phenomenal Bravo. line. Oh, <laughs> There's so many uh, uh, incredible lines If you really think that in that 25 years, the more impressive achievement will be Gladiator, then by all means, let's move Gladiator forward. Gladiator, like... I just compared it to three of, other movies uh, that are, the... like, some of the best movies ever. I'm sorry. Am I going to get yelled at on the podcast for saying this? It's better than a lot of those movies. It okay, just but, is more... It is. But most people would disagree with you. And we are talking... And I'll of, fight and, them, and I'll take and their when you're money. When you're bringing up arguments about mass appeal and what a lot of people think... And like, mass appeal of Gladiator, that movie is always on cable. People love that movie. People watch that movie. Young and old... All, right. all people alike. It's a dumb, dumb movie. I will move it. <laughs> I will move it forward. But, but you're paying for this later. Wow. You yeah. are paying for this. I'm not gonna pay. I, you, you just told me earlier that I couldn't ask for a favor. You told me that I, I said you were gonna pay for it when Boyhood moved forward. I don't remember. I'm letting a lot. I'm letting. I'm. I'll let, I'll let Swiss Army Man go forward. I'll let Swiss Army Man forward. If you stop this thing that I've like given <laughs> up, that you've been so, Mister. <laughs> I just Mr. Good Samaritan over here. I have been Good Samaritan. I have been Good Samaritan. Well, okay, then we'll move Swiss Army Man forward. I'm done with this Good Samaritan narrative. No, because I don't. I'm not using Swiss. That's not what I'm using for Swiss Army Man. Gladiator moves forward. All it's right. done can't wait until that gets off this list but it is in the top 32 movies of the last 20 of the 21st century now i want to talk about it's your, not now okay. we're on to this next one it's i'm glad you brought up a boys club because we're going to talk about it on this next one okay the number eight seed eternal sunshine on the spotless mind and the number nine seed arrival what better movie to move forward than amy adams well they're both movies with really strong female characters true but one of them is the full lead and the other one she's supporting no she's not Jim Carrey's the lead of that movie. They're like co-leads, but okay. I hear you. I like both these movies. Let's let's talk about the movies. I'm gonna first. fight you. I'm gonna fight you on this one though. I love this one's like close. I just was saying. I, I well, you know which one I want to move forward. Um. Yeah. You might have to use a lifeline on this one, which I'm fine with. But we can we can we can talk about it. Let's. Um, let's get Eternal Sunshine had two nominations and one win okay. for screen original screenplay. Um, it is number six on the BBC 100 films of the 21st century. It is number 24 on the New York Times 25. Oh, wow. Um, the 40-Year-Old Virgin is number 25. Hey, Um, it is number 56 on the Hollywood Reporter Best Films of All Time. Mm-hmm. Um, Arrival. This is awesome, Kyle. Thank you so much for looking all this up. Yeah, it's fantastic. Course. It's just kind of interesting to see... What it is on these Also, things. Eternal Sunshine, an 8.3 on uh, on audience rating for IMDb, so it's in the top 100, and uh, three times its production budget. Um, Arrival had eight nominations and one win for sound editing. Um, Gosh, I can't believe the only thing it won was sound editing. Uh, it, at number 29 at the box office, it is our highest grossing film of 2016, which just goes to show you that like, the divide between... 
what we're considering great and what people see. Mass people see. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, was number one. Hmm. Um, which is not on this list. No, it didn't. Um, didn't make it. <laughs> uh, yeah, talk, you could talk. You could talk. What? How do you want to do this? Um, well, let's talk about Eternal Sunshine. Uh, incredibly original, incredibly brilliant, interesting. Um, so much raw emotion watching it, especially like anybody who's been through a breakup. I just feel like it strikes a chord. Of, it's the most original way to say it is better to have loved and lost than and to never have never loved, loved at, all. at all. It's excruciating to watch though. Um, for you, I, what's excruciating about it? It's, it's just one of those movies that like you watch it and you're like, uh, cause again, this is something that's sub subjective, you know, something, sure, but everything about, I mean, we're going to be subjective about yeah, but like excruciating, excruciating I, to watch like million dollar baby could be excruciating to watch. Yeah. But that doesn't can, mean that it's can. not, you just said that there will be blood. Is supposed I, I wasn't to make saying it. I wasn't saying it in a, in a way yeah. that I didn't mean to make again, that we got to meet him at their terms. I wasn't trying to be like, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to have that be like to take away from the film. It's just excruciating to watch. So it's not a pleasant it's not a movie I, I'm like, oh, this is like pleasant viewing in any way. It has um, incredible, it has, it, w the, this rewatch, I was actually shocked how effects heavy a movie it is. Oh yeah. Like and the whole house, and, everything going on, like when it's shrinking down and, and disappearing. If, and like v a lot of it practical. Like a lot of it was camera like in work. camera. Did you watch, inspired. did you watch the, um. Did you watch the Andy and Me documentary? No, I haven't watched it yet, no. Well, it's very interesting. So the Andy and Me Jim Carrey documentary about the filming of Man on the Moon, uh, very good watch on Netflix. I recommend it as highly as I possibly can. Um, one of the very twisted things that Jim Carrey talks about is like basically two movies after Man on the Moon, he does Eternal Sunshine. Maybe it's three movies. And... Like a year before they started filming on Eternal Sunshine, because he was busy with prior engagements... He was going through a breakup and was just an absolute like wreck on the inside. Yeah. And oh, uh, I do know this. I do and know this. The director was like, "This is beautiful. Can like, you stay there. Stay there." Yeah. And Jim Carrey was like, "Man, that is the most." Fucked well, this thing. is something to that talk is about the with messed up thing. This is something to talk about with like that. Like Jim Carrey, like as much as a Robin Williams, or maybe to a like a slightly lesser degree, but I wouldn't even go like he. Is like in, he is very capable at doing a lot of different things well. Very well. Very yes. well. And because a lot does... of people do a lot of different things to varying degrees of success. But like his performance in this movie is like wrenching. And Kate Winslet in this movie, it was career changing for her. Like very in terms good. of like in terms of like I don't have to work corsets anymore. Like, and we all know that self destructive person. Like yeah. that she is in that movie and. Also, just, like, the structure of that movie where every time I watch it, I forget that at the beginning of the movie when they meet, it's not them meeting. It's them meeting after he's already had her erased. Mm, like, mm. I always forget that every time. And that's a testament to that movie. It's really, really good. Um, these are both kind of sci-fi movies. But this is what I would argue about Eternal Sunshine. Okay. Is that Eternal Sunshine is one of the most intricate interesting romances that we have here. Hmm. And I want a okay. good smattering of genres in the end. 
And I think that what that movie says about love is so real, and it's done in a way that uses film, all of the elements of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Arrival is my favorite Alien movie. Sure. It's my favorite. It's my favorite of... I'm t- I love... I love space. I love... I love the idea of space. Arrival I is love the idea movie. of, like, of, of uh, extraterrestrial contact. I love those those concepts in movies. Like, you literally, you put that on a movie, and I'm going to show up there regardless of what anyone says about it being good or bad. And Arrival, the skill of making a palindrome of a movie that's the same forwards as it is backwards. Spoiler alert about the film that kind of says some stuff. Wow, that's kind of interesting about both the movies, too. Yeah, they're, they're both. They're both yeah. in so many ways. Um, and... Uh, it's every time I've, I've uh, I, it's actually probably on the five movies on this list that I've rewatched the most recently because I, I rent it often. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's, it's my favorite Denis Villeneuve fi- movie. It's so just precise with every move that it makes. And, and, and also like, when do we investigate language as, as much as like, I, I felt like I was learning about language in that movie. I felt like I was learning, like, what communication is. And at the center of this movie is a rock star performance from Amy Adams. Yeah, she was not a, nominated for How? Movies. It blows my mind. And yeah. also, at a year where two rock star performances, because in Nocturnal Animals, she's fantastic, too, and doesn't say much. Yeah, yeah. She is, she is a, a force and... It's a fantastic film, also about loss, and similarly, speaking of a movie about loved and loss, it's better to have, you know... Yeah, they kind of rival, Yeah, she makes the choice. It's better yeah. to have a child and lose the child than to never have the child yeah. at all. Um, and that's the, the real, like, the crux yeah. of the movie in a lot of ways. Um, I think that... I. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Again, though, these movies are neck and neck for me. I could go either way. I just... I, I, I love Arrival so much. I, I'm, I'm gonna... Uh, pretty much say eternal sunshine here okay then we'll go eternal i you know i i I really i just um i can't i can't speak highly enough of amy adams and when she's arrival is absolute again in the in the same way that uh ex machina it's like we need to see more sci-fi movies like this oh and it's and it's beautiful it's beautiful and also everything they do with the aliens in that movie and of course it's based on a novel so it's not like they came up with a bunch of this but you know it's It's based on a short story short story yeah it it's like, they don't make any easy decisions. Like, nothing about that movie is an easy choice. Like, everything about that it's movie is so smart. No, there's no massive, like, we need to have this fight scene, or we need to have this yeah. moment, or, oh, uh, the aliens need to have, like, a face and look like this. It's literally, like, all the in service great, of the story. Yeah. It's, it's I don't think it was haunting. even nominated for visual effects. I saw so, that movie with my siblings, my younger brother, both my younger brothers, two of my younger brothers and my younger sister, and we all were perplexed by it, and we're like, had our jaw drop the whole time. So, shout out to Arrival, we'll move Eternal Sunshine on. Excellent. Next up, we have the number four, Whiplash, versus the number 13, In Bruges. Oh, okay. That's kind of a chill one. Yeah, that's a chill one. I think we probably disagree, but I, I also know how much you love Whiplash. I like I would move forward in Bruges. Oh, yeah. But but I'm fine with moving with Flash forward. 
Stop this! You're doing this thing! No, no, I'm doing the same thing that you just did with Arrival and Eternal Sunshine. Oh, there okay. are some of these that, like, I like thought Eternal you were saying, Sunshine. Like, I really care, but, like, well, there's gonna be one where I'm gonna be like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to be collaborative with you, Jimmy. And, I'm collaborating. And I am down, like, like I just collaborate. Whiplash and In Bruges are like, this is, this is where I'm not okay with it. It's like, when I'm like, yeah, these movies are like, are like, on par with each other. Like, sure. maybe I like In Bruges more than Whiplash, but, like, they're both, like, totally on par for me. For sure. Whereas, like, Eternal Sunshine, I just think, is one of the great movies of the 21st century. And sure. I think Arrival is, like, good. Like... A good But movie. that's where, like, that's where it's gonna come into, like... Again, it, same thing with There Will Be Blood and Tree of Life. Like, I'm gonna, like... Yeah, you know. and that's fair, and that's fair. I'm gonna... I want you to fight for what you want to fight for. I'm fighting uh, for it. I love In Bruges. I think In Bruges is great. Let's go through the movies, though. Let's 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 get our, our stats on the movies. Yeah, In Bruges had one uh, nomination for original screenplay. Okay. Um, also, Colin Farrell won the Golden Globe that year, interestingly enough. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Whiplash had five nominations, and... Did very well at the Oscars that year. Had three wins for supporting actor Jake for J.K. Simmons and editing and sound mixing, which I got right and you got wrong, and I remember that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Clearly, still... neither of them are like on any major lists. That's sad to me because I think both of them are fantastic films. Let's talk about fantastic films and where to find them. Are we just gonna let's let's not like because we the last few we've been talking about both the movies. If you want to move, if if you are like Whiplash, definitely. There's no way this. There's I you you have your feelings about Mulholland Drive and Boyhood. I have Whiplash right. has to make the final sixteen. For Great, me. let's go for it. Um, and I am and you know I love you know I love um Martin McDonough. Yeah, I mean In Bruges is my is my favorite McDonough movie. I think it has three incredible performances in it. And I would also like to say In Bruges is one of those movies that I feel like we have rewatched together multiple times. Yeah, that's a very a movie enjoyable that we movie. Both to really watch. enjoy watching, yeah. and I and I'm, I'm sad that that's off the list because I know we both enjoy the wa viewing experience of seeing. He that. has the he has the like the writing like snap of Tarantino without all the like and this is something I both love and hate about Tarantino but like without all the like I know everything about movies like just Extra. infiltrating the movie yeah. at every turn like in Bruges is just like a really like the idea that two hitmen <laughs> go to Bruges which is like the most boring place in the world and also it has my fav one of my favorite lines ever. Can I say this line though? Of course. He says so Colin Our rating is coming. So Brendan Gleason is, is like, I want to go around and look at all the like churches and everything. And Colin Farrell's like not down for any of it. Which is just great, because it's like another movie inside of a of a like a crime thriller. Um And he says, Brendan Gleason says, we can strike a balance between culture and fun and Colin Farrell literally says I think the scales are going to turn in favor of culture like a fat <laughs> black retarded girl on a seesaw opposite a dwarf <laughs> and it's awful it's awful but it is so funny it's so funny. Just the way that it keeps, like, it keeps topping itself in, like, in just, like, That's severity. Terrible. Yeah. Opposite a dwarf. It also has another great line, which is, they're filming something. They're filming midgets. 
<laughs> I thought you were gonna say you're an inanimate fucking object. Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great line too. Ray Fiennes, it's one of the best Ray Fiennes performances. He has twelve minutes of just perfection. It's so yeah. good. I mean, all three of them are so good. It's like Colin Farrell is like somehow like insufferable and adorable in that movie. Yes. Well, we have more fights to come. Until next time. Mm-hmm.